Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host Alex and with me I have Dan. How are you Dan? Yeah, pretty good Alex. How are you? Yes, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, it's been a very good end to the season and um, I've also got Brad with me. How are you Brad? Good, thanks Alex and uh, evening gents. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a little while since... In fact, I don't know, have, have we had you on since the mid-season review, Brad? Is it sort of... You're just sort of ch- checking in at the half-season intervals. Yeah, look, I think probably I'm I'm the uh, the one that maybe had the curse on us. Um, I think I was probably on one, maybe January, Feb, early Feb. But um, at that oh, stage, yeah. I was trying not to talk anything up or get too carried away. Yeah, that was probably that was probably our last little blip, and before we went on the uh, 14 game run or whatever it was to finish the season, just about undefeated. So. Uh, look, it has been a fantastic end to the season. We will talk about that Charlton game. There's not a whole lot to say about it from the point of view that it really didn't matter in the scheme of things. It would have been nice to finish with a win and uh, I think would have broken our points record as well. But um, look, you know, just, I, I guess, thoughts on the game. Um, uh, you know, strong lineup from City. Uh, I think Honeyman essentially was the only one who you'd say wasn't first, sorry, who was first choice, who wasn't in the team. Uh, White. KLP, Magenis, and Wilkes all starting, so pretty attacking lineup. Um, a bit disappointed to go down 1-0, but Dan, I guess in the scheme of things, it didn't really matter too much. Yeah, you're right. In the in the grand scheme of things, it uh, was a bit of a dead rubber sort of match. It didn't really mean anything. Um, and, I mean, it didn't mean anything for us. Potentially meant something for Charlton, but after about 20 minutes into the other game, when I was at Oxford, was up 2-0 yeah. or something already, yeah. It was sort of already out of their hands. As it was, they would have, were going to need to win seven or eight nil or something ridiculous. <laughs> so it wasn't really going to happen. Um, I think I saw. I, but, I think I saw BBC tweeted out saying, you know, um, you know, Oxford are winning, so Charlton need to win to to have any chance at the playoffs. And then a moment later, they're like, you know, oh, Charlton have taken the lead, but you know, they'd have to score another seven goals. So I was like, oh, you know, all right, you know, slim chances. Yeah. Look, I think. Um, was what it was. I think we went out. We we did play a pretty strong lineup, stronger than I sort of than we sort of talked about last week. That we thought, you know, maybe they'd just rotate a bit, let some of those other guys, fringe players, get a bit of glory as well, be involved in this sort of run in. But um, they didn't. I think you know Charlton played really well. Um, I sort of as we expected, they probably would now with Adkins in charge. They've actually got quite have quite a strong. Um, end of the season since he's taken charge. So um, it wasn't surprising that it was a close game um, and it probably didn't really surprise me in the end that it was only sort of a goal in it. You know, he, he normally not, sets up nice and strong defensively and, you know, and then they created a few good chances. Um, unfortunately, you know, Greaves pushed that one. Right, he, got the, in, he got his goal. He got his goal. Didn't he get another, I think that's his second own goal. Oh, it? actually, you're right. Was it the Ipswich game? I, well, I can't well, remember, but I think he's got a, Yeah, I think he's got another uh, yeah. Oggy for us. But um, <clears throat> yeah, look, I, Ingram made a good sort of palm out, and it was just unfortunate that mm. Greaves was there to to bundle it back over the line. So, but um, swings and roundabouts. I think at the end of the day, we still kept we've come out we've come out the real winners. Absolutely, yeah, Brad. Um, 
title winners for City. We haven't had the chance to talk to you about it yet, but what does it mean to, to be going up as champions and, you know, just bouncing back at the first opportunity? Oh, look, it, it says a lot about probably the reasons why earlier in the season we were wondering if McCann was the man for the job. You know, we, I think those early days we're saying, look, we need a big squad, we need a strong squad, there's lots of games. But in true sort of McCann style, we've had a good squad. We've ground out that many games that, you know, the pessimists amongst us would have thought we would never have got close. But at the same time, we've probably actually put a real foundation together for next year. And I think that might have been the worry about us maybe getting not so much even auto-promoted, but getting through the playoffs and getting promoted. Are we going to then potentially struggle next year? But I think most of the games this season, we would have beaten half the championship clubs this year too. So it does set us up a lot that the the basis of our squad uh, for a long season and a tough season um, was pretty adaptable. Lots of players shown through at different times and um, probably sort of modelled almost what a perfect season should be. Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you touched on the, the need to have that strong squad and we definitely saw that um, around 30 minutes in when Elder went off with his injury. And look, you know, fingers crossed that he's okay. We've you know, been talking him up for potential Socceroos inclusion. Um, so hopefully that's nothing too serious. But we saw Josh Emmanuel come on, who's been sort of the forgotten man this season after such a fantastic start to the season. Um, and he just reminded everyone of just what a good player he was when he came on, I thought, with his inclusion. Oh, look, absolutely. I mean, he's he's in most teams' first 11. Um, yeah. And the fact that he's sitting on the bench for us is probably what I'm actually reasonably... I mean, it's great to win the league, but then we start thinking about next year and you start thinking, well, you've got to have that depth. You've still got to have quality from players sort of 15 to 30 in the squad. And, gee whiz, we've got a couple of stars in our team that we don't really know we've got until we see little episodes like that. Yeah, definitely. Dan, um, it's good to see Emmanuel get on. I think we also saw a couple of subs laid on, um, uh, a few other players getting on the pitch as well. Um, uh, is it Harry Woods, I think, got on for his City yeah. debut as well. So uh, that was great to see as well. Yeah, I think, um, uh, as you guys touched on with Emmanuel, came on, you know, almost straight back to his barnstorming best. A couple of big runs, you know, shrugging off defender after defender and a couple of nice silky um, footwork and some nice moves put on. Um Charlton, but I think um, nice to see you know another debut for from a, a young um, city player who I think pretty much straight afterwards then went on signed a ex- contract yeah. extension with the club. So um, good day for him. Yeah, really good day for him. Um, sort of good good day all around, really. Um, I think um, what, one thing that was I just was thinking about while we've been talking about you know the this, this season as a whole and was. And, you know, in preparation for next year and like normally, like it's a, you know, a team, they, they'll focus on making their, their home ground, the fortress. And that always seems to be the, the big sticking point. And yet, I, or like a, a, a big focus or a focal point, what really impressed me was how many away points we picked up, right? Because it's, um, while we sort of did seem to struggle a little bit at home, we by far, you know, we picked up so many points away from home that, um, we just we showed how fearless we were throughout so many times throughout the season. We went on and attacked everyone, and that was um, I think that was something that surprised me with how well and and then how many points and how many get how many wins we were able to get away from home. It would have to be 
uh, like we would have been top, we're top of the league in a way, points collected. I think so, sure. yeah. yeah. So, you know, just and, and, a, yeah, just it's a good point because stat, I, sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say it's just it's it's a good point because I think um, it's easy. I think a lot of people would say, oh, you know, um, teams, it's easier to win away because there's no fans and COVID and blah blah blah. But you know, the fact that we're the best team away kind of says that okay, yes, but. Out of everyone, everyone plays away. Out of everyone, we still actually ended up being the best, which is a, a, a great record. Yeah, I think um, the, I guess yeah, the fans out of the stadium has been a bit. It's been sad, but perhaps it was blessing in disguise. But I think like there's no real way to know for sure how you know it, be, it just becomes a big hypothetical mess about you know would we still have won those games if there were fans there? I think you know potentially there's a few decisions that you know in in crucial moments that are you know, a very strong vocal home crowd, you know, might turn the referee's, you know, opinion on or whatever. But I think for the most part, you know, we perform strong enough and consistently enough that I I don't think it really, really comes into contention. I guess, like, my main hope is that, you know, come next season that fans are back in and we can go back to football as we know it. Yeah, um, Brad, I guess on that topic, I mean, the elephant in the room a little bit, I saw it tweeted out the other day by Rick, was... Um, potentially City might not have managed to get automatic promotion if there were fans because, um, you know, their attitude toward McCann, the attitude towards the Alums, there might have been, you know, pretty toxic culture or atmosphere in the stadium. Um, do you think in a way that actually not having fans in the stadiums might have helped City sort of, I guess, you know, we went through those ruts, but we were able to come out the other side and then pick up some momentum rather than sort of falling in a heap? Yeah, look, it's it's a good one, especially on the home side of things, because we know at times that whilst players or managers might, you know, discount the fact that uh, the home fans booing or, or calling for the manager out has no bearing on them, but they yet they still refer to it. So I think probably mm. in a little way, maybe if it's five percent, great, it's a couple of points. But I think the away factor was huge. The fact that you're playing away with no. Um, uh, no opposition supporters. Um, it takes a little bit of that foreign element out. Most of the time they would have felt like they were sort of on a training ground. And I think it goes back a little bit to the fact that our squad has a really good bunch of not just talented players, but technically good players. And you know what it's like if you're on a training ground without much distraction, you can really get your skills yeah. looking better and sharper than having to be distracted by noise or what someone's yelling over the fence. So I think in a way, I, I think it benefited us because of the fact that we didn't have those more volatile away situations and it did maybe the negativity at home, but we'll take it. I just wish maybe even for the last home game, we could have had a full stadium. Yeah. That would have been nice. But uh, yeah, I think it could have actually worked both ways for us. Yeah, look, and and it's it's an interesting one. What uh, next season's going to look like with fans back? And I saw someone sort of saying, you know, there's a you know even Premier League clubs, there's a few managers who've not really managed their side with fans in the stadiums. So, in terms of just communicating tactics and stuff to the players on the pitch, it's going to be a bit of a culture shock for everyone. It's been, I guess, what eighteen months um, by the time the next season starts. Before you know, since we've had fans back in stadiums, so. Uh, obviously, you know, McCann has had city sides with, with fans and stadiums, but it will be a bit of a shock for, for players. And, you know, fingers crossed we can get a, a filled-out KCOM for um, for at least our first home game um, and then hopefully through the season as well um, to sort of, you know, these players who've, you know, you think back to, you know, the, the early days under um, Brown and even before Brown, you know, um, 
we 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 were signing players who were coming to a big club. We had the new stadium, and it was sort of seen as a, as a big club in League One and League Two, where we were filling it out and getting over twenty thousand games. And these players signed for us in League One, um, but we we were a big club in League One, and we want to be able to show them that with a, you know full ground for the championship season. Mate, I, I agree, and in fact. You know, without going off course, the Sunderland syndrome still always echoes every time I look at that League One ladder to think, you know, you talk about big clubs. I mean, they could attract whoever they wanted at any given point in time. But if you can't grind out results midweek away at some of these small clubs um, or in more sort of hostile areas, then you're not going to get promoted and have a look how many draws they had for the year. Yeah, they've yeah. got everything they want. Training ground that would match, if not better, some Premier League clubs. But it gets back to those, you know, midweek, tough, boggy, wet conditions where you've got to be able to grind out a result and not just 15 draws or 17 draws or whatever they came up with. Yeah, um, and I saw the comment not only about the playoff places, you know, we've got Blackpool, Sunderland, Oxford and uh, Lincoln in Lincoln? the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even looking ahead to next season already, you've got Bolton coming back up from League Two. You've got a couple of big clubs, Sheffield Wednesday, dropping down from the Championship. It's going to be a it's going to be a crazy League One season next year. So uh, certainly, sort of relief at the fact that we've managed to get back out of it at the first time of asking. Because as you say, clubs like Sunderland, you can end up getting stuck in there quite quite easily, um, and it becomes quite tricky to get out of. It's almost like somewhat maybe- of an escape. Yeah, I think something that may have actually worked in our favour is that our squad at the end of last season, as as terrible as it was and how poorly we ended the season, wasn't like there was no big name because we'd been in the championship for a couple of seasons. There wasn't any really huge names. For, didn't Sunderland? They went from Premier League, Championship, League One. They just I think they so, were yeah. successive relegations, so they probably still so. had some quite big names, and then. You know, you start leaving these big holes as you go down each division. Um, well, even even now they've st- they've still got McGeady, who was they do Premier, have, a, yeah. I think he was a Premier League signing for them. Yeah. So you know, they've still got a few of those big wage earners as well. Mm, which I think is something that potentially can you know ha- has a big impact if you've got if you do still have those big wage earners, even if you've got those clauses in place that re- you know that their wages are you know reduced to some degree, you know, that still t- takes up a big chunk of your wage bill. And, you know, when you're down there, then you, you're less likely to want to spend that extra, you know, you, you want to try and keep your budget under control. So you um, becomes a bit of a balancing act. And I think um, by us not having any of those huge, huge money earners or huge names, you know, and, and we sort of just let a few go and we brought in and we, you know, recruited pretty well for the for that thing, that, that for this season, that the whole scenario sort of worked out you know, pretty tidily, really, and you know, as you guys said, it, it League One can be a, can be a bit of a trap if you if you can't manage to to get out. And so, I think we've done exceedingly well to escape at the first time of asking. Um, and I'm looking forward to to next season in the championship. Yeah, I had a um, I had an Arsenal mate uh, who came out for the uh, the Lincoln game and was sort of asking, you know, because he hasn't obviously hasn't watched City for a couple of you know three or four years now, so they're saying, you know, oh what players you have, would I, would I know any of the names? And I was like, well, actually, no, you wouldn't really know any players in the City side. But um, I think the positive way to spin that is, you know, they're, they're players that that will, you know, I'm sure there's, a, you know, a handful, if not more, of players in our squad who'll end up in the Premier League, either with us or with other sides. You know, you just look at, you know, Josh Emmanuel, Lewis Potter, Wilkes, uh, 
Honeyman maybe, uh, Doherty as well, all players who have that sort of Greaves as well, who have that quality, who who can make that step up over through the divisions with um with a bit of experience. So um it's a young, hungry squad. And I think as you say, in a way, the 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 drop from the Premier League to the championship and then the three seasons in the championship before dropping to League One, we did shed those big money earners in in, in probably it probably ended up being in a positive way. I mean, it means that we've pretty much rejuvenated the squad now and um whilst it's it's as if we're coming up as a as a league one club coming into the championship we do still have those finances of a championship club rather than you know we're not a a rotherham or someone going into into the championship no disrespect to rotherham this first name that came to mind but you know those sorts of like you know you get those (laughs) you get those sort of yo-yo league one clubs that pop up into the championship for a few seasons but um we've sort of managed to rejuvenate the squad and told you mate you could have told your Arsenal mate Alex that no one knew our players when we turned them over at the Emirates. Yeah. This time either, so that's okay. <laughs> and actually, and he he was one of um, he was one of my mates who was there for the FA Cup final. So he is well aware of oh, what City can do to no. Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. So it's good fun. Um, hey, look. Um, I'll give my my three, two, one votes for the game, and then we'll we'll move on to talk about some uh, some broader season memories. Um, so I, I've gone for Emmanuel for the three, just the romantic in me sort of saying it's the last chance that we got to see him in the season. Uh, and he put in a fantastic display uh, coming on for for Elder. Um, so he got the three votes for me. As Daniel was saying, he, he put in a few really good displays to remind us of his talents as well. So, you know, looking forward to seeing. Hopefully we can we can find some way to fit both him and Coyle into the starting 11 next season, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um I went Doherty for the two votes. I thought he was probably the uh, the main man in the midfield. I thought he was creating a lot there for us. Um, and then Coyle for the one vote. I thought Coyle flexibility moving over to the left to to fill in for Elder as well was um, was good of him and um, and worked well. So that was that was my vote. So what did you think, Dan? Um, it's sort of one of the, I, it's hard to argue with with those. They're probably the three standouts. Not that anyone played particularly poorly but I think that those were the three and for pretty much the same reasons you've given that they sort of they stood out um sort of above everyone else when you we played we didn't play poorly but we didn't play great we just sort of were going about our business um it's sort of I think it's a hard one to pick out sort of many people who really stood out I can't really remember like Magenis or, or KLP or Wilkes doing anything particularly, or White, even for that matter, anything particularly noteworthy or outstanding. They just sort of were doing their thing, but without any finish. I think that would be the only thing that would have changed it. If someone could have scored a goal, they would have probably got some points. <laughs> uh, how about you, Brad? Yeah, I'd echo all of that. I think probably, you know, if that first shot on that break goes in, then we look yeah. a bit the team we probably run over them and the votes could have been six or seven blokes probably actually it was a good sign although we lost we all know mentally we probably weren't necessarily there to win the game but I still like the fact that we didn't have anyone on that pitch that looked out of place and in a losing game you know what I mean you start analyzing where your problems are and we still didn't look like a team that was getting overrun or had problems we just looked like a team that maybe couldn't stick one of those first two or three shots in um, and I, I think it looked a pretty even match, to be fair. Yeah, and look, and, and I'll say, I mean, the one name that we haven't really talked about, Slater, I thought had another fantastic game in midfield as well. I thought he 
he's certainly one that I'd be very keen to sign on a permanent next year if we can do that because um, he's really proven his worth in the second half of the season. Um, that would be a great one to see. And I, I don't know if you guys caught it, just going back to Emmanuel and Coyle, I don't know if you caught it when um, after the match they were doing the trophy presentation and then getting photos with the trophy. And I think at one point it was Coyle and Emmanuel who got called up to take a photo together. And I think it was Wilkes who yelled out something like, they hate each other as like a joke because um, it's it's clearly this thing where it's like they're competing for this spot and it's almost the fiercest competition for a spot in the whole side. And um, um, it's just funny to sort of say that, yeah, you know, obviously that they get on quite well, but um, it'd be such a tough thing to be sort of competing with somebody for a spot where, you know, as we're sort of saying, they're both such high quality players and it's, it's such a tough one. Yeah, I didn't watch the presentation, so I assumed you were going to say they both went to the right-hand side of the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, speaking of Coil, uh, potentially, um, moving on, to, we'll talk about some of our highlights for the season, and I thought I'd get each of your favourite goal of the season to start with. Um, to sort of testing the memory banks here, we'll, go, we'll, do, we'll do goal, then game, then player, so I'll give you guys some time to, uh, to try and think of some... Um, some examples that you can think off the top of your head, but um, maybe p- putting you on the spot, Dan, I'll, I'll start with you for the favourite goal of the season. Um, no, I did have the the sheet up. I had a bit of a sticky beak at it earlier. Um, and when I saw the goal, I, I still don't think I can get past the the KLP, the big run from halfway or inside our half and yep. then shooting from the edge of the box. I can't even remember who it was against, but I remember the goal. I think, was it, it was, was it Swindon? It might have, Maybe. yeah, possibly. Um, the one, the one where we lost, we ended up losing. Yeah, I think that we took the lead there. Or yeah, yeah, it was Swindon, and it was a nice sunny afternoon. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's probably that's my goal. I think it's that that or the um the Magenis free kick. <laughs> that was a good one, um, Brad. What was your favourite goal of the season? Um, well, I'm I'm using the term season loosely. Um, because I'm going to have to go with Coyle's goal in the cup. Um, yeah. And it was mainly yeah. more because I just didn't think he had it in him. From that distance, it's just – that was an awesome hit. Um, so although it's not necessarily a league game, I'm going to run with Coyle in the cup. Yeah, and look, you know, it was such an important goal as well, winning us that game, coming back from – I think we were 2-0 down in that one, coming back to win 3-2. So, yeah. um, look, that was – yeah, that definitely a fantastic strike. Um I'll go with Elder's goal, and I'm trying to remember who it was against. Was it against? Uh, I'm just trying to look it up now. North, yes, Northampton. It was. It was Northampton, where it was. It was one of those games where it was coming into that final run for the for title slash automatic promotion, and it was one of those games where you're sort of thinking it's, you know, we don't want to slip up. We've just got to get a goal and, and get into it. And I think it was what about 30 minutes in or something. And just blasted into the top corner from outside the box for his first city goal, if you don't mind. So, um, yeah, look, I thought that one was a pretty, pretty terrific goal. There's, there's been a few of them, like as you said, Dan, the, the Magenis goal as well. Uh, Doherty scored a great goal against Oxford um, as well, which was fantastic. Even the um, the Honeyman goal against Wigan to put us up two one, where the, the with the Wilkes back heel and then just blasted into the bottom corner. Um, yeah, there's been a few this season that have been pretty good. Oh, that was a ripper. Yeah. yeah, they just went on yeah. the ground, didn't it? Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was, and it, and it, it was to put us up two one as well. And it was just like I was just the relief of just seeing the, the net ripple. It was, uh, it was great. Um, I'll start with you then, Brad, for this one. And um, thoughts on your favourite game of the season? Um, well, it's probably not going to be the most exciting 
I would think of from a you know end to end game. But I remember uh, I didn't actually watch it live or anything like that. But I remember seeing the result, going, "Oh wow, we're really in this." And it was when we actually turned Peterborough over a couple of months back um, away. Uh, and I think if I remember. Uh, they might have had someone sent off and it got a bit mm. sort of easier for us in the second half. But when I actually watched the game back, it was like, okay, we weren't necessarily the best team on the park. Well, whilst we both had 11 men, it was pretty even. Um, but the fact that we, it was almost like that night, I could see a bit of a killer instinct. Mm. I think we scored not long after the red card and then got another one in the second half. And you're like, well, hang on a minute. This is the team closest to us in the league. Yeah, and um, and and here we are turning them over on their patch. Um, that's when I probably, to be honest, I didn't really know realistically if we were even going to hold on to an auto promo spot until I think that night reassured me that hey, this is genuine. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What about you, Dan? Um, I'm going to take a leaf out of Brad's book from the last round. I'm going to um, actually the Leeds that cup game against Leeds. I think is probably my favourite game. For a couple, like, I think just, you know, we went up against a, you know, a Premier League side in the cup, albeit not their full strength, but still, you know, quite a few players that have gone on to play in the, in the Premier League for them. So, you know, and, and we just showed that we can still match it with the big boys. And I think that was a really good marker for how the rest of the season really went. You know, it was early on, we played a couple of, who do we play in the Brent? Before them in the cup, uh, Sunderland. Uh, uh, my God. Yeah, I think it was Sunderland oh, first yeah. round. Maybe it was Sunderland. Yeah. So hmm. I don't know. We just, um, I think we just, we just really turned up. We really put it on, um, and we were pretty unlucky, I think, not to actually have just won outright without even going to penalties. So I was really impressed with that performance. Um, you know, and I guess the, the overcoming that disparity between you know Premier League and and League One. To um to, to win convince or not convincingly but to to win and and yeah set ourselves up for a really strong season. Yeah, look, that's definitely pinched mine. I was I was going to talk about that Leeds one. I think that was an awesome game. It, it's you know <laughs> that 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 playing against the Premier League side, not only matching them but actually bettering them. And I think we were very unlucky not to just win the game outright. I think they I think it was Alioski who scored right at the very end to, to take it to penalties, but um. You know, Wilkes scoring the goal early. We were basically all over them for most of the game as well, which was fantastic and uh, and good for the banter. But, um, yeah, that was a terrific game. Um, I guess if, if not that one, I'll probably go with the – was it the uh, Portsmouth 4-0 game where we – you were talking about it earlier a bit where they'd, they'd beaten us 2-0 with the, the two own goals in the previous game where um, it was where we were starting to stumble and question marks were sort of being raised and – convincingly won the, the return game in that one um, 4-0. So sort of similar to what Brad was saying about the Peterborough game, this was another one of those games where you sort of felt that, oh, hang on, you know, we might actually make something of this season and actually show that we're the best side in the division, which ultimately we ended up doing. But, um, yeah, that, that Portsmouth game was, I think, a big turning point for City, or at least it was one of the big turning points in terms of mentally mentally accepting that we are one of the best teams in the division and, and that's the standard that we should be setting in our games. Yeah, I think so. Just on that, it just remind. I was just thinking about it. It reminded me of all those moments throughout the season where we were on top or we were first or second, but we had the games in hand and everyone kept going, oh, well, there's <laughs> two or three games, you know, two or three. Oh, so everyone else had the games in hand. We were, you know, had 
games played, points on the board, and everyone's going, oh, well, you know, the, Lincoln's only a point behind and they've got three games in hand, you know, so City's mm. going to fall out of there. And, you know, and I guess, you know, as, you know, points on the board is proved to be the, the important factor. And, you know, we just, yeah, went from, from that game, I'm pretty sure, just then put it sort of put it all together and, you know, strong finish and ended up on top, so... Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I guess the last one, I'll start with you on this one, Dan. It's favourite player. So it's not necessarily the player you thought was the best, but the player that you enjoyed watching the most or the player that you enjoyed the most this season. Yeah, um, This one actually wasn't too hard for me. I sort of looked at it and I didn't have to think long. Um, and I think I've ta- I talked him up pretty early before he even really settled into his stride. Um, I was re- a big fan of the runs that he was making from the midfield through into the channels to, to support the attacking the attackers. And, you know, he was really busy and doing a lot. Um, and then he started to, to create, get, get Nick a couple of goals and get some assists. Um, so my favorite player to watch this season has been Doherty. Good shout. Good shout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you, Brad? Um, well, look, I probably didn't pick, say, the best player. Um, and I really like the fact that Dan's gone with Doherty because it means I can go someone else now. Um, but what I've done is uh, same same thing as what Dan said. When when we look back at early doors in this season, I think he had a couple of injuries and there was weeks where he was out and we didn't look quite the same. But when Honeyman returned and looked with the long locks flowing, um, like he was just happy to be there commanding it. The guys around him really sort of loved playing alongside him. And then the fact that for the same reasons with Doherty, those runs, those goals, the important goals, um, I wouldn't say he's technically our best player, but there is no doubt when he's in our team, either the players around him lift or he lifts them. Um, And I just felt like he was almost a bit of our charm in that second half of the season. I don't know how many games he would have missed in the second half of the season, but I would hate to think of how many games he didn't play when we lost or dropped points earlier. No, definitely. And, you know, talking about, talking about his long hair, I still find it pretty crazy when you look back at the pictures of him from early last season when he had the sort of the crew cut almost, uh, very short hair, you know, shaved face. And, and he's basically, <laughs> he, he's enjoyed lockdown life, I think, in that way. <laughs> hasn't hasn't yeah. uh, tied it up too much. Yeah, <laughs> um, just to support uh, Brad's comments on Honeyman, I think that he, they came out when he he missed a Charlton game with his foot injury, and they said he'd played the last two or three games with injections and strapping and yeah. all sorts of things. That he'd actually played a couple of really important games and made some really important contributions, um, you know, on an injury. So I think that is testament to the kind of player he is as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, he was uh, joining in the trophy celebrations, hopping on one foot as well. So that was, uh, was pretty great to see. Um, my favourite player, it's the name I've got on the back of this shirt, and it's uh, Josh Emmanuel. I think I think it, both in terms of just surprising me with, you know, when we signed him, I, I, to be honest, didn't give it a second thought. I thought, you know, oh, we've just picked up a player for free from Bolton who've been relegated. He's just there as depth. He might get, you know, a handful of appearances and then, We'll be here with, for a couple of seasons and we'll probably move him on for free when his contract runs out. And he just started the season so well. And he was in the team on merit. He was delivering week in, week out for us. And as we've already talked about earlier in the episode, 
coming onto the pitch for Elder during that Charlton game, and he just reminded everyone of, of what he offered to that side. And, you know, it's no slight on Coyle, who I think's had a fantastic second half of the season and uh, has definitely been one of our standout players as well. Um, I just think that the flair that Emmanuel's able to play with, um, you know, in that Charlton game, he, he had a passage where he picked the ball up in, in, you know, the back pocket and basically weaved his way through three or four Charlton players. Um just that, just that sort of tenacity to take on the game and, and take on the opposition and um, seemed to have a motor that just he just was running all day. Um, you know, it, it was fantastic to see and and he's, yeah, really, in, you know, a joy to watch. Um, I sort of raised the idea and, and, I, and I get your thoughts on this just before we sign off, but, I mean, we, we sort of saw McCann toy with it a few times of potentially playing Emmanuel up on a wing to kind of accommodate both him and Coyle in the same side. Do you, do you think it's an option that we might see a bit of next season or do you think it's probably a bit too cute at championship level? Dan? Oh, um, that's actually a really good question. Not sure. Um, look, I think it'd be worth a punt at least once or twice. I think, you you know, his, his pace and power and he is quite still quite skillful, I think. You know, may, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't like start him there or anything, but you know, as a to come on and play last twenty minutes to give you know Wilkes or KLP or someone a rest, I can't see it really um, being too detrimental. And could you, when you consider that they they put him in there ahead of you know the actual other forward options that are in our squad, you know, because there's a long list of forgotten names in that from that department with James Scott and Thomas Meyer and like all those guys who Emmanuel came in essentially as a right back and, and over um, yeah. you know, took over them in, in that pecking order to, to, to earn, you know, game time and, and in that position. So um, it'd be worth a punt once or twice um, and then just see how it goes. If he, if he continues on his trend of, you know, taking to it like, you know, a duck to water, then um happy days yeah no look it'll be uh it'll be an interesting experiment we'll see what see what happens in the championship next season but look you know uh thank you both for joining me for this one we've uh we're sort of splitting the end of season review in half so we'll have logan and potentially um some of the others on um a second part to to wrap up and also announce our player of the season um based on our votes that we've given throughout the season which will be uh, interesting and exciting to look forward to. But uh, until then, thanks for joining me, Dan. Not a problem anytime. And thanks for joining me, Brad. Um, thanks, guys. Awesome and bloody good year. Absolutely. Fantastic year. So thanks, everyone, for uh, watching or listening along throughout this season, wherever you are. Um, and we'll be back uh, probably maybe in the next week or two with that second part of the review. Um, but until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back because you're out.